A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Excited to introduce my friend Sif Hader today. Some of you may know her as the founder of the infamous floating supplements and wellness brand Array, or through her podcast, the Dream Bigger Podcast, or maybe even from her relatable content across social media. But regardless of that, Sif is one of the most driven, creative, and inspiring female founders I know. And I'm grateful to have her as a friend and on the podcast with us today um, and share her wisdom and energy with you. So, welcome, Sif, to What's the Point? Thanks. I am honored to be here. What an intro. <laughs> Let me know. I can do it again. No, that's actually perfect. Um, <laughs> be my hype man forever. <laughs> please. I would uh, be honored. So the way we start every podcast is what is your definition of fulfillment and what is your definition of success? And are they at all intertwined for you? So I would say my definition of fulfillment is, and success is probably the same. It is the intersection of doing something that drives you and you feel like you're doing good for the world while being happy doing it and being able to, I guess, make a career out of it. So I feel like that is both things for me. And I I don't think one thing can exist without the other because I'm someone who's very like, purpose-driven. And I don't think I could ever be someone who does something to make money just because there's money behind it. Like that's not how I operate. Like my career always needs to be rooted in purpose. Were you always like that? Did you literally always? always. So every single job that you had in like a post-college world or even before that was rooted in like you believing in a product or a service and you wanting to work. Yeah. Literally my entire life, I have never done something that I'm like, oh, I'm just here for the sake of being here. I am someone who's like just deeply like I'm a passionate person. And I'm actually reading a book called Grit right now. And in it, the author discusses the making of grit, which is the, again, the intersection of passion and perseverance. And for me, I cannot persevere at something without having passion. And for me, there's like no point doing it unless I feel passion behind what I'm doing. So of course, you know, I've had a lot of twists and turns in my career, but I can honestly look back at my life, like knowing right from the beginning, right out of school that I wasn't going to go into something that I didn't want to do. And that meant like making tough decisions. And I guess like financial calls that it didn't necessarily make sense at the time, but I knew I kind of just had to do it to be true to myself. That comes though from like a huge sense of confidence because you need to have confidence in order to do those things. You need to believe in yourself that, you know, you can take a pay cut because this is purposeful for you. Like, where did this come from? Like, is this cultivated from your parents, from your environment? And to add to that, like that's an abundance mindset. Like when I graduated college, I was like any job I can get. Yes. And I ended up getting a really cool job, but like Getting a job isn't easy. Yeah. You know, it wasn't easy for me either because, you know, my husband, for example, graduated as an engineer and there was like really high paying jobs waiting for him. And, you know, I had friends who had gone into like those sorts of careers where, like, right out of school, it was like, you know, six figure salary and like all of these job offers. And it wasn't like that for me. I had to hustle my ass off. I worked unpaid. So, like, right out of college, I, I went to school for sociology, political science, and religion. And I liked 
academia, but my, this is like a long-winded answer, but essentially when I went into college, I thought that I, what I really wanted to do was go to chef school. But my parents were like, listen, by all means, go to chef school after you finish your undergrad in case you don't want to pursue that you have a backup. So I went into more of an academic field thinking that I would maybe go to law school. That was my backup. While I was in school, I worked in a kitchen, decided that I hated it. And that was right at the end where I'd actually applied to and gotten into culinary school. And I was like, fuck, like, what do I do now? Like, do I go through with this? I thought that I wanted this my whole life for the last four years and then I don't want it anymore. And so then it was me looking into like, okay, like, what am I really good at? What's the other thing that I've really liked? And for me, I've always been an inherently very creative person. And so I was like, okay, I think I want to go into like events. How can I get into events? PR. And right out of school, it was like, like doing unpaid internship after unpaid internship. But for some reason, I just knew in my bones that money would be a byproduct of doing something that drove me from like the inside. You know, I never was someone who would chase money for the sake of money. It was like, it'll come to me if I follow my purpose. So that was always my attitude. Did you feel like, was that because you grew up comfortable? I did grow up comfortable. My dad is like a successful entrepreneur, but at the same time, like when I graduated, I didn't want his support anymore. You right. know, like I, I like asked him to let me go off on my own. And I grew up seeing my dad do something that really motivated him that he like got up and was fired about doing every day, but like also having success from there. And I think he was, I saw a role model who had that same mentality where he was always like chase the thing that like brings you purpose and you know, you're making change in the world. And so I don't know, like unknowingly, I think it like seeped into me as well. And I just knew that somehow the universe would take care of me. Like I just, I always believed in that. I always, everything was always figure outable for me you know, okay, like I have a hundred dollars left in my bank account. No problem. I'll figure it out. I'll take a job working retail. Like I will do something to get by so that I'm not just settling in life. Right. So the confidence really does come from maybe your dad subconsciously. You picked it up from that. Yeah, I would think so. I also think you touched on something interesting. You said like, you know, from early on, you knew that the universe was going to work out for you. For me, and I think Jasmine too, is like the whole concept of like life is happening for me, the universe is happening for me, only kind of happened like much later on in our Mm -hmm. life. I think COVID was my shift of like, oh, wait, like I don't have to do this. Like I get to do this. What am I supposed to do with my time? Something that correlates with my passions. But that only changed for me much later on. So I was like 29. So Mm -hmm. how did you have this level of like spirituality or belief in the universe, like from such a young age that knowing it was going to just work out? So my parents were, I guess, like in that sense, spiritual, right? Like they had this like innate trust in God. And, you know, while I don't necessarily have like the same religious beliefs as them, I do have that same rootedness in spirituality where I just felt like God, universe, whatever you believe in. I felt like there was a force taking care of me. And I think that innate blind faith for me actually happened because of a near death experience. So in my second year of college, I had meningitis and they couldn't identify whether it was viral or bacterial. And I forget if it's viral or bacterial, but one strain kills you and the other one you can survive. And so they couldn't tell which it was for like two days in the hospital. And I was hearing things from like, literally, you know, the door would be a little bit open and they're so loud, like the doctors and nurses, like, oh, she's just knocking on death's door. And while I was going through that and like, I could see everyone around me falling apart, like my best friends coming to visit me, like looking like pale, like fucking ghosts. I just knew that I was taken care of. I was never worried I never felt shaken. It was just like in through one ear and out through the other because I just had that feeling of knowing. And I can't even, like, there's no tangible way I can explain it to you except for the fact that I just felt like something was looking over me and there was just this like innate knowing that I was going to be okay and that that was just a chapter in my journey. And for me to like 
really, really appreciate life. And I think once something like that happens, I don't know, like everything is okay. You know, at the end of the day, like you just realize that it's just like everyday life. Like it's not that serious and we can always figure things out. So it sounds like you have this faith practice, whether you're like actually pouring into it or not, which I am curious about. Like, do you do something every day to like kind of strengthen your faith with the universe or you feel like it's just this feeling and you have this in your bones? It's just a feeling. Like, of course, like I have, you know, like manifestation, gratitude practices. I journal, I meditate sometimes, but I don't think that it's something that like, I just think that it's it's there, you know, and everything right. I do is more so to nurture it. It's not that it goes away ever. Yeah. I just, I just know that I'm going to be okay. And it doesn't matter how bad my circumstances are. And don't get me wrong. Like, I've gone through some shit like everyone else has. But I think the one thing that has worked in my favor is that my attitude never wavers. Like, I never lose that belief that it's going to be okay. And how about your husband? Is he the same? I think he tends to get more worried, but both of us actually do believe that whatever it is, like we're going to get through it. And even him, like while he gets worried about things, like things can like rattle him or like he'll have like a bit more of like a reaction, whereas I'm very stoic and even keeled. I think we both have that similar perspective that, okay, whatever challenge comes our way, it's fine. Like, it's just a challenge. It's nothing that we can't handle. And I think we both have the mentality that whatever challenge comes our way has been handed to us because we can handle that challenge. Because if it was given to us, that means that we're strong enough to handle it, you know? Yeah, I know. I love that. And I think you always touch on this is like your skill sets are very complementary, not just from a business perspective, but from a personal perspective too. Like your energy is helpful for him when he's getting stressed and and vice versa. So I think it's really beautiful. So going through like the challenges that you face together, I think obviously one is starting a ray. That's a huge challenge, but you guys have been tremendously successful in that. So walk me through like another challenge that you've had to face together, whether it be like, I know the green card process or something else like that has felt like that kind of like shook you guys a bit. Um, I mean, there have been so many guys, you know, like fact of the matter is like there have been some really scary moments in our business where we've just been like, we don't know if we have enough money in the bank to pay for someone's salary, you know, and that is truly like the scariest thing you can go through as founders, because for us, like our team is our family and knowing that we weren't taking a salary, but we couldn't make someone else's potentially unless we like figured something out. Like that's really, really scary. And you go through that all the time to the point where like right now it's like, it doesn't phase us in the same way because we know we'll figure it out. But things like that are scary. Definitely. I mean, we've talked about this. I feel like we are probably trauma bonded, (laughs) but um, I'm Canadian just like you are. And for us to get our US visa was probably the most emotionally demanding thing that I've ever been through because what was supposed to be a three-week process for the class of visa that we applied for became a year and a half long process. The most scary part being that, so we applied for our visa May of 2021. It's supposed to be three weeks, but because of COVID backlogs, it was way longer than that. May 2022 is when we got our interview. And I was like so thrilled because I was like, okay, like now is the moment, like what I've that I've been waiting for. I was so excited. Go do our interview. And they send us home without a visa saying that they need more information. And at that point, I still remember I rarely ever panic or like really feel like something has like crushed my soul. And I remember going back from that visa interview, I couldn't even get out of bed. I like just lay there. I felt like my soul had literally left my body because I was like, what do they want from me? Like what more information do they want? I've given them everything. And then I remember going for dinner with my parents and my dad is like, I was telling them that I was like, obviously like really devastated. And my dad was like, have you done anything that they wouldn't want you there? I was like, no. And he's like, haven't you put enough money into the economy? I was like, yeah. And he's like, okay, well, let's not panic. And obviously like, it's easy to say that, but I was still in a panic. Anyway, long story short, they wanted my entire travel history for 15 years. That was when I was a minor, even for many of those years. 
sent that all over to them, didn't hear anything for months. And then in December, we finally got our visa. That was 1.5 years of waiting, loving a city, having friends, having like feeling like this is home because our team is here. Our company is headquartered here. My life is here and feeling like, okay, well, I may not be here tomorrow. Or like, I remember when we left LA in October, we were like, we don't know when we're going to come back because, you know, there's like certain days that you can spend here as a Canadian. And we were done those days and we just didn't know when we were going to come back. And then we got our visa in October, sorry, in December. And it was like the happiest day of my life, I think. (laughs) Did you, so where were you while you were waiting? Did you have to be in Canada or were you here? Mm -mm, mm -mm. We left in October because we were done the number of days that we were allowed to stay here. So we went back to Canada. We had like travel plans over the holidays because our families live abroad and we like travel to Europe to go skiing every January or whatever. So we had all of those plans. But the fact was that like, what about afterwards? We had a product launch in February and we were like, can we not be here for our fucking product launch that we have poured like every bit of us that we have? we can't even be here to celebrate that with our team to have our launch. Like, what are we going to do? You yeah. know? So it was just that. So it was like waiting in Toronto, yeah, hoping for an answer, not even knowing when we would be getting it because every time we checked in, they wouldn't tell us anything. So it wasn't even that like, okay, this is the impending date and this is when you'll know. It could be six months. It could be two days. It could be one year. It could be right. five years. <laughs> yeah. No, I can totally relate visa problems. Um, many Someone of my friends needs have had to, to like go reform this. Yes, honestly, like the some... process is very archaic and stuck in the past and it creates so much anxiety and instability. And to think that like one decision by a random like customs officer can impact your entire life. Like I think is really hard because it's like you're putting your hands into something. But as you said, you know, the universe is in control and it has your back and it will it will come through. So that level of instability, because I know for me, it really deeply impacted me. Um, I felt trapped in my job because of a visa. I felt like I couldn't leave because of the visa. I didn't want to get deported and have to start this like whole new life from scratch. So what did that instability really do for you like on a day-to-day basis? Like, did you notice it? I think first it was just not having a place that we could call home because we were in like temporary apartments. It was never like my space. I could never have friends over. It was like, I just, it never felt like home to me. I couldn't even unpack properly. So there's all of that. And imagine doing that now for almost two years. It's insane. Okay. So there was that. And then it was just always feeling like you, were being pulled out of a place that kind of felt like home to you, but it wasn't home on paper. It was home emotionally, but it wasn't home on paper. And even now, like I was talking to my friends about it just a couple of weeks ago, where like every time I take an international trip and I come back to the States, I am legally entitled to be here. Okay. Like I have every piece of documentation that I need. And still I'm like, what if the customs officer says something that's like mean or they don't let me in for some reason? By the way, no reason that I should have ever felt this, but that's what it's like when, yeah. you know, you're you're waiting to be approved for something. Like it brought up insecurities for me that I don't even know. I didn't even know existed. I just felt like going through the feelings of when you're a kid and you're constantly picked last for sports, which I was because I fucking sucked. But you know, that's like deep rooted, like insecurities, I guess it's just trauma. And it was like resurfacing for me on a very grand scale. So I can tell you, like, I know that I think like, unless you go through this process, you don't understand just how like deep the emotions are behind it. But honestly, I can say it was probably one of the most challenging experiences I have ever been through in my life. And I've never questioned my self-worth more than going through this experience where I was like, am I good enough? Like, have I achieved enough? Do I really deserve to be here? Knowing that, you know, 
for the most part, like I'm proud of what I've built. Like, you know, I've worked so hard my whole life. No one has ever been able to shake my confidence like the U.S. government. <laughs> That's so funny. It's like that should be the title of the podcast right yeah. there. Well, it's funny because I have not gone through this, unfortunately. My Fortunately, girl. Fortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, my boyfriend is going through this right now. And now I'm like, how long is it going to be away? But I do think it's interesting. It's like how these things like this happens to me in like big and small ways all the time where I'm like, it's because you're almost like, this is quite literally you have to be like approved of. And somehow you're like, it's so weird. It's the US government. You know, it's not personal, but somehow it becomes this deeply personal thing. Like I'm not good enough to be in the US. And like, it's funny because I go through this in big and small ways all the time where I'm like, why am I giving away my power? Like this will work out or like, but I'll do this with a lot of things where I'm like, it will be okay. And I'll have to like coach myself into more of an abundance mindset. I can imagine it's far worse when you're like, it's like getting into college, you know, or it's like getting, it's like, you're just waiting for someone else to be like mark of approval. I had to do actually like a lot of work around my feelings of worthiness and had to like evaluate so many times, like kind of like revisit all of these things, which I didn't even know mattered. Like right out of college, the number of jobs that I was said no to. Yeah. It's really, yeah. It's hard not to take personally. A hundred percent. And you know, like going through feelings of like, when I was younger, I'd be like, oh, like I'm not smart enough. I'm like, I'm not as smart as like X, Y, and Z. And that was kind of like a, like, I guess like an insecurity of mine. And it felt like all of that was coming up because of this. And so it was like me constantly working to like, I mean, in in a way, I guess it was a blessing because like, I really got to like work on those feelings that came back up and just like rationalize with myself and like have to do like meditation courses. And like, I don't even know. I was like, it was a lot. Yeah. You're like learning to self-soothe and be like, I'm going to be okay no matter what happens. But that is a really challenging thing. And I think, so you're saying previous to the situation, you did have unworthiness stuff. And then when I was younger, you know, like when I was in high school, for example, I remember feeling that way, you know, where like, I, I think like I was told that I was a bimbo by a lot of people and I kind of started to believe it for a bit where I, I don't know, it was weird because I knew I was smart. <laughs> and at the same time, I kept being told that I wasn't by different people in different scenarios. And I remember actually getting into my top school, like my top choice of school and feeling like, okay, like, I, I knew it on my in, in my inside somewhere, but I kind of questioned it. And I feel like that kind of like resolved that for me because I was like, okay, I belong here because I got into my top choice of school and I proved to whoever that I needed to prove to that I am just as smart as like anyone here. And I don't know, like my looks has nothing to do with it because whoever is like letting me into the admissions office, like they're not looking at a picture of my face and being like, come on in, you know, like that's not how it works. So, you know, like I had to go through that. I think, I mean, people go through different things in high school. That was definitely one of my big pain points where I just, I felt like maybe I wasn't smart enough, but I've, I've like worked through that now, obviously. Yeah. I was going to say, so how does someone, cause like social media and like putting yourself out there is a big part of your brand. And also you have a podcast and you like create content and you have this like influencer-esque influencer sometimes feels like a bad word sometimes, but it's not. But like, I mean, just that influencer-esque, like you do have a sphere of influence. Like how does someone who struggled with confidence in some ways or worthiness in some ways, like how did you garner that confidence to put yourself out there. Cause that takes a lot of kind of being like, I'm just going to do it. And like putting yourself on camera and out, like just putting yourself out there. It's very vulnerable. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra 
and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's funny because I don't think I, like I remember when I initially started blogging, it was actually like years before I even put things out to the public. It was just, I would do it for me and I'd be like, I don't want to put this out on the internet because what if people think I'm some sort of like a crazy narcissist, you know? Whereas my purpose was obviously not that I was like some self-involved person who couldn't stop taking pictures of themselves. Like (laughs) I always had a purpose as to why I was sharing what I was sharing. And I think it was just getting real about why I was doing what I was doing. And once you have that clarity, it's like, you kind of don't care what people say, you know? And I mean, like prior to Array, I was a creator full time and I kind of went into that business, I think, before it became as mainstream as it is today. I went full time with my blog back in 2016. And I have heard all kinds of things about myself from, you know, people like from my hometown or whatever, you know, saying mean things about me. But I don't know, things like that have never shaken me. Like, obviously, if I was younger, it probably would have. But I think by the time that I started to put my content out there, I had like a level of self-confidence and just like self-awareness that it didn't matter to me what people said about me. Because at the end of the day, I think people will say things if they're battling their own insecurities. And I know I've said things because of that reason. And I think knowing that about myself and having been someone at some point who was like a mean girl... And knowing where that came from, I have a lot of sympathy and empathy for people who feel the need to like say mean things to other people or about other people, because I know that it's, that's their problem and they're reflecting something that's within them onto someone else. And like, it's just not my problem. Yeah. So right now, if you get like a DM that says like something to the fact of like the bimbo comment or a a product review that is like, just, you could tell there's so much insecurity there that it's not even coming from a place. They didn't like your product. It's just from them. Like you kind of just brush it off. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't bother me in the slightest. Yeah. Like I'm trying to think of the last responses that I've had, honestly, like if I've bothered responding, it's been something very pragmatic. It doesn't really get under my skin anymore. I've also been doing this for years. So I've had exposure to my fair share of like trolls or like mean people or people talking behind my back. And I don't know, like I, right now I'm in a place where I thankfully have a very blessed life. You know, I have an incredible support system. I have real friends. Okay. And I have a supportive family. I have a great relationship with my husband. So why do I care what, you know, so-and-so from the internet who doesn't even know me has said, like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And like, you know, it's funny because sometimes we'll have people say mean things about our products on, I don't know, like social media or whatever, like send in like just a rude email. And it really ruffles Nish's feathers where he like drafts out these responses and he's like, Sif, can I send this? And I'm like, no, you can't send that. Like, what, what are you going to accomplish? And I think that's my thing where you think about responding to someone who's just unhinged and (laughs) you with your unhinged response are not going to change anything in them. If you're going to respond, the only thing that may change how they're thinking is kindness. And I've actually done this many times. Like I really believe in killing with kindness, even when someone is horrible to you, because I think it allows someone to reflect deeply on themselves. And it's happened to me in the past where like someone has said something really rude to me. And that's why I said my responses are very pragmatic and rooted in kindness and understanding. And oftentimes people will be like, I'm so sorry. I didn't know you'd see that. Like, I can't believe I said that I was just having a bad day. And that's like, for me personally, even for customers who've said like really rude things to us, if Nish and I respond with like just kindness and empathy, they will like turn it around and be like, I'm so sorry. Like I 
didn't realize I was I realized I was speaking to one of the founders yeah. or like, I'm so <laughs> sorry. I just assumed you were a big company or something or the other. I'm not saying it's always like that, but it happens more often than you'd think. Yeah. No, I think you bring up an interesting point and it's not just from like that social lens, but the people around us are mirrors to us and what we're going through. So if we're starting to feel jealous of a friend or if we're starting to be resentful to our husband or whatever, they're just mirrors showing us that what we're working on. So whether it's in a DM that you're responding or with a friend group or whatever it is, I think the ability to take a step back and look at this feeling that you're getting or response that you're getting and decide that I'm going to work on myself from it versus like, oh, no, no, that's not, I'm above that. Like that's something that you really have to cultivate. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that all of us have this innate desire to have visceral responses, right? Whether it's like we're reacting to something or something in someone else has brought up these feelings that maybe we didn't know we had. And I think that I have over the years really cultivated a practice of self-awareness and being able to ask myself questions as to why I'm feeling the way that I'm feeling, whether it's like, you know, if someone says something mean to me and immediately if I want to respond with like, I don't know, something mean back, I'm like, why am I so impacted by this? Like, what is it that they have said that's bringing up some insecurity of mine? Or like, you know, if I feel the need to like gossip about someone, I ask myself like, why? Why do I want to talk about this person? Like what is missing in my life right now? Or what is it in their actions that is like getting this response from me? Because it is something that I need to work on, it means. Yeah, there's always this like trigger. Yeah. Like it's like a thorn that's like somewhere in your body that's coming out because of an experience. A lot of times it happens in childhood and you don't actually know what it is triggering. There's this like subconscious thing in you. But I think it's really important to analyze our triggers and not just like be reactive in them. A hundred percent. So you mentioned earlier that you were a mean girl. What changed? I mean, in high school, you know, like I, like I was just an idiot, you know, <laughs> like it's just, you, you do dumb things in high school because you have your own shit to work through. Like I remember, as I said, like I had this like thing within me where I was like, am I just a bimbo? I'm not smart enough. And so, you know, it was like maybe saying something mean about a girl who was really good at school because I probably wanted that for myself, you know, like it was like different reasons why I was the way I was, but ultimately it was because I had a lot of work to do on myself. Now I don't care what someone else is doing, you know, like let them live their lives. Like I am living mine. And even if I don't agree with someone, you know, we can coexist. Like, that's fine. Yeah. Sounds like you're a very creative person, but you're also business-minded. How do you find a balancing act between all of these sides of you? Really good question. I think first and foremost, I'm probably like, like I am a creative mind. So I'm always thinking of how I can solve my own problems. So I think that's where the two come together, where I am a creative person, but I'm also inherently a problem solver. And anytime I see something wrong, I'm like, why hasn't this been solved? Let me go solve it. Mm -hmm. You know? And I think that's what it was with Array. That's what it was with my podcast. That's what it was with my blog, where with my blog, it was just not seeing a lot of content that I wanted to see from someone who looked like me, who was like where I was in life sort of back Mm -hmm. then. Then when it was my podcast, it was, okay, like I want to bring people high quality information that I wish I would have known, you know, from those experts. Then when it was Array, it was, okay, I wish that there was a brand that simplified supplements and actually made it really pretty so that I would want to use it and solve these problems and not go for over-the-counter, you know, things that are chemically laden, you know? So I think that's where the two worlds collide. And for me, because I'm a visual person, because I really understand and appreciate branding, whatever problem I'm solving, I'm like, how can I make this something that I would want to consume, if that makes sense? So you have this impressive business. You're doing all these different things. Like to someone who was like, she has it all. She has it all figured out. What Uh, would you say? (laughs) Yeah. What would you say to them? Absolutely not. We go through problems every single day. Like, you know, just last night I was up with Nish and one of our team members discussing like, issues that we're going through in our business right now. You know, that can be anything from like 
personnel issues where there's an issue with someone on the team or there's a role we really need to fill. It could be something to do with cash flow. It could be that, I don't know, like we need to fundraise. Like, I mean, there's so much. Like our retention is not as high as it needs to be. There's like a thousand problems that I can list at any given minute that we are dealing with. And I certainly don't have it all. I certainly don't have it all figured out. I learn every day. We are problem solving every single day. And we are going through scenarios that are probably very stressful to the average person every single day. It's just that we we know how to handle that stress and we just know that there's a solution for whatever problem we're dealing with but that we just haven't figured out yet, but we're working on. Well, I also think it goes back to your earlier point about your attitude Mm because you always have a positive attitude and you know that by being bogged down by things that are quote unquote going wrong is not going to help you, right? But I'm sure there are some things that like actually kind of bog you down. So do you struggle at all with like anxiety or imposter syndrome or anything like that? Well, there have been times, like I don't think that I like struggle with it consistently, but there have been times where I've of course like dealt with like a really precarious situation that brings on a lot of anxiety. So a good example of this that I can share is when we were going through our first round of fundraising, okay? We had never fundraised before. You know, we were brand new to LA, brand new to fundraising, brand new to entrepreneurship, okay? We had no idea what it took. And that was a really tough experience. You know, it was high levels of anxiety for months until we closed our round. And I think having gone through that, though, like anytime that there's a period of high anxiety and kind of overwhelm and feelings of uncertainty, I think it teaches you something. And it's also a period of immense growth. So having gone through that, and I still remember our first round of fundraising like it was yesterday, you know, we compromised on everything in our lives. We had no health. Like I remember eating three wishes cereal every day for three meals a day and maybe a sip of water in between. Like that was all I did. My, the fundraising was everything that was all consuming and having gone through it now, when we go through equally stressful situations, which are like, I mean, it's different, but like, you know, there's always something stressful. I've learned that, okay, I don't care how stressful the scenario is. Number one, I have to take care of myself because I will go through burnout otherwise. Like Nish and I will both go through burnout if we do not look after ourselves. And actually right after we went through our fundraise, the day that our round closed was a day that I had like, a again, like a near death accident where I fell off a bird scooter, was unconscious, had to be taken to... ER in an ambulance, like unresponsive, had brain injuries. So like, you know, there's, it's interesting where like these things happen and it felt like my life was being derailed, but there was like a learning moment, you know? And so there are periods of high anxiety and imposter syndrome and all of that. But I find that those are opportunities for growth, you know? Yeah. And it really does build your resilience. I think this is interesting too, like ties into my next question. I think you have a really strong identity as yourself. And not just like the founder of Array, which you could easily just be. You are, you know, you're not just, you know, Nisha's wife. You're not just founder of Array. You're not just a friend. You're not just a daughter. Like you have a strong identity of who you are as your in- inside. Like, did you always have that? And and it's so easy, I'm sure, to just like walk into a room and I'm like, I'm the founder of Array and like have all of that like, you know, amazing compliments and whatever that comes with it. But you kind of walk into a room and you're like, I'm stiff. Mm -hmm. And you own that. And I think that's something really beautiful because I can speak to this too. As a founder, it's like I identified too much with being the founder of Breeze. And then when I like decided maybe it's not for me anymore, it's kind of like you have an identity crisis. Absolutely. But I don't have to be the founder of Breeze. I am never that. I am never just a mom. I am never just a wife. Like I am so much more to that. But that took me a long time to realize. And I had a lot of therapy to help me get to like my core. And it seems that you've identified much more with your center. Yeah. Um, than many founders. So I think that there's been like a lot of things that have like individual things along my life that have led me to feeling this way. So this is like the dumbest example, but maybe someone will relate to it. I remember when I had my first boyfriend, I'm talking high school, okay? I was so, I guess like in it with this guy that I felt like 
my entire life was my boyfriend. And I'm sure like at some point or the other, everyone has probably gone through it. And I remember when I broke up with this guy, I felt like I had nothing. Like I didn't have any friends. Like I, I had really nothing beyond this relationship. And I like, this was when I was young. And at that point I was like, fuck, like my friendships are really important. And it's really important to have friends, even if you're wrapped up in a relationship. And so that was like one thing, you know, it was like these little moments of realization, I think. And it was the same thing with being a founder, right? Like I have seen a lot of people sell their businesses and them thinking that, oh, like, you know, we're all working towards selling our businesses or IPOing or whatever that like end destination is. And then you get there and you have all the money and you have all the accolades, but you feel really fucking empty because your entire identity was wrapped up in this thing beyond you, you know? And I've seen founders go through this over and over again. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm immune to this and I don't know what'll happen if we IPO or sell whatever happens with Array. I can't predict that, but I'm doing everything in my power to establish myself as me and like have strength in me as a human being, knowing that if I'm stripped away of everything that I own, like my brand, my podcast, whatever it is, like my Instagram disappears tomorrow, I still have a sense of worth in myself because all of those things are external. They can all go away, but my essence will remain, you know? And I think it's just being in touch with who I am, having confidence in who I am and knowing that I myself am enough. And if those things are taken away, that's fine. I'll go do it again. And that essence of me is the thing that allows that to happen, you know? Yeah. Allowing yourself and like your internal state be the guiding ship versus like everything around you. Cause that's the thing is if you rely on everything around you and that stuff goes away, you're fucked. Yeah. And also like, you know, I think like the, the, the boyfriend parallel, right? Like when we are so wrapped up in our business or the things that we do in our career and we have nothing beyond that, what if that goes away? Then who are you? What do you have in your life? You have nothing. Okay? When did you learn this? Just like, I think throughout every step of my life, you know, like I cite this example of like, you know, my high school boyfriend, because it's one of those things that was like such a deep kind of, it just stuck with me where I was like, no matter what, I can never abandon my relationships because if anything fades away, I have my relationships, I have my friends and I have my loved ones and I can't neglect them, you know, the same way that like, you know, when we were going through the fundraise, I neglected my health. And then I had this thing where like, you know, I had a near death experience where I almost lost my health. And then I was like, I'm never taking this for granted again. I will always work on my body and my mental health because it may not be here tomorrow. You know, like what if something happens to me and I lose my limbs, you know? (laughs) So it's just like challenges, I guess, that have allowed me to like reflect and kind of see things from this perspective. Yeah. It's almost like the universe woke you up and this really like shook you and was like, there's other things in the world than this like fundraise. Cause I think that's also what can happen. I sometimes call it founder syndrome but like, cause I've actually, I don't know why I only dated founders in my past, but I think there's like an energy that I love. It's like inspired and creative totally. and motivated. And don't get me wrong. If I wasn't with my husband, I'd be dating another founder yeah, probably. You know? probably. <laughs> yeah. It's really, but there is a level of like almost not making it your whole world because you have like what we're talking about is because you kind of have to be able to like have perspective and yeah. be like, this isn't everything because it isn't at the end of the day. Like mm-hmm. it is in that moment. It's like a hard balance I can imagine because you're putting your heart and your soul and your energy and your creativity into something. And that is important. And that is like your child in some sense. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, getting so caught up in it where you forget about your relationships or even honestly, your relationship with yourself, it sounds like. Yeah. Like understanding how important that is first and foremost. I mean, even my boyfriend now, I'll be like, just... To make sure you're taking care of yourself because sometimes it's just so extreme yeah. where I'm like, there's other things in the world. And I think it's hard. I don't know. It's and a to add on to, J- uh, to Jasmine's point, it's like, I remember like putting everyone before me. It's like my investors came first. It was always like, oh my God, well, what are they going to think? And it was like, I was doing everything for what they were going to think. And they don't actually care. 
they wanted to support me. But in my head, I started making up all of these stories about like, well, if I do this, they're going to be mad and this and that. But truth be told, they don't care. They just want to support and what's best for me. And I need to prioritize my intuition and what I think we should do because that's why they invested in me in the first place. A hundred percent. And also like, you know, I ask myself this when we're going through a period of like high, high, high stress. I'm like, for what? Like, what, like the goal here to start? I've asked myself this. What would you do if Array was sold today? I'd go do it again. So why the fuck not enjoy the journey along the way? I was actually going to, I wrote that down. One of the things like, how do you figure out how to enjoy the process when it fucking sucks? When like, you don't have money in the bank, when you're worried about paying your employees, when you're like, I mean, something I really want to get into actually is like, also you're married to your co-founder, right? So like, I want to know, A, like, has that caused any friction or problems or have there been periods in your, even pre-array, like, kind of your romantic journey in that relationship? And then to this point, just like, when things are hard, how do you wake up being like, I'm still going to be positive and things are going to work out because I'm sure it's difficult? Well, I think that when you're going through challenges, you're not waking up being like, what a great day. The sun is shining. No, that's not how it feels. It feels like (laughs) someone is stabbing you. And like, it's just like a horrible, horrible feeling. That being said, early days of Array, I'm talking like a couple of months in, I remember going through like this shipping issue where our inventory was delayed. It was COVID, supply chain, all of that. And we had told our customers that, okay, like there's been a delay, like, you know, your product will be shipping out X date. On the date where their product was supposed to ship out, UPS lost everything, every piece of inventory that was supposed to arrive at our house so we could package it and send it out. And I remember feeling like my world was crumbling. I was like, I'm letting all these people down. No one's going to be a customer anymore. And I called my dad up and I was crying. And he was like, you know, when you sign up to be an entrepreneur, know that this is a part of your job description. The unknowings, the challenges, the uncertainty, this is all a part of your job description. This is why you're an entrepreneur. And if you can't handle it, then this isn't for you. And I was like, huh, like you're actually right. And I think that that gave me all the perspective that I needed, whereby I was like, this is actually why I do what I do, because I am a masochist of some sort. You know, we all are. Okay, like you have to have such grit and resilience to be an entrepreneur and know the burdens that you're supposed to take on every day. Everyone else's burdens. You're supposed to, you know, be responsible for so many people's livelihoods. You're supposed to be there and deliver something outstanding for your customer. There's just so much complexity to it. And with that is a lot of uncertainty. And that's just something that I'm supposed to be okay with. Of course, I'm not positive and happy when something is tragically wrong, but it's not going to control my whole sense of being, you know? So I just like try to compartmentalize and like end it if I need to end it where like, you know, okay, now I'm going to go out for a walk to like grab some perspective and some fresh air and it'll be okay when I come back, you know? Yeah. I also think that you just, it just goes to show you can't please everyone, right? Like. You, of course not. Yeah. And as a founder, sometimes you're always trying to please everyone around you. And then it's like, that's impossible. Someone's yeah. not going to like your product. Someone's not going to like your food or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do your best, but then also come back to yourself at the end of the day. Yeah. So how does this, so going back to your romantic journey, mm-hmm. like tell me about your relationship with your husband beyond Array. Like you guys met pretty young. Yeah. We met in college in our third year of university and we started dating in our like six, six, eight months afterwards. And we've been together ever since. We've been together for 11 years, which is a long, long time. And we've kind of been there for every chapter of each other's lives. And, you know, some have been challenging. Like, I'm not going to pretend that it's easy to be in a relationship with your co-founder. It's something that we actively work on. And certain times are definitely more challenging than others. Like, Right now, we are going through a period where things are extremely busy and extremely demanding. And just two days ago, I was like crying and being like, we haven't been able to really spend time with each other and connect like we normally do, even though we make that a priority every week. We go out on date night and, you know, we miss it for two weeks. And I feel I I feel the impact of that right away. So, you know, like everything else in my life, this is something that I work hard for and we both fight for because 
we're fighting to be good co-founders, but we're also fighting for us, you Mm -hmm. know, and fighting for like the passion and the fire and just like love between us and to make sure that we never turn into just co-founders, you know? Yeah. I was going to say, cause even Annabelle and I like we're like, we need to remember that we're friends. Cause like we'll come in and we'll be like, we have so much to catch up on totally. we're talking about the podcast. And we're like, I know this is crazy, but we have to schedule friend time in. Oh yeah. Because, no, that's really important. Because <laughs> we're like, we're friends first. Yeah. And like, that's important too. And I, even I remember living with a, a friend of mine when I was like 23, same thing. We were like, wait, it's become so transactional. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I can only imagine already being with someone for 11 years, how like, you have to put in the effort to keep the romance alive. Like what, when you add being business partners as a part of that. Yeah. And I mean, then you start adding kids, like I'm dealing with it now too. And it's like, we sit at dinner and like, we go out on a date night and we're just staring at the nanny camera, watching our daughter sleep. And it's like, (laughs) you know, at a certain point you got to put it away. And someone gave me this like piece of advice that I always try to think about being a mom. And as a parent now is like, you still have to put your husband or your partner first and yes, before your kid. And a lot of people aren't going to like that. But in the end of the day, I, I actually truly believe that because if Aaron and I can, you know, have a, such a strong foundation and can be this like unwavering support for each other, then Gemma's going to pick that up too. And she's going to see this like beautiful, like support system, like welcoming, loving family and not like instability or like people yelling at each other and whatnot. So I do think it's super important to put your partner first, you know, for the benefit of your child. I 100% agree with you. And I can say this as being from a family who is like that. Like when I was young, my parents would travel a lot, like leave me and my brothers with my grandparents and just go work on their relationship. And I can tell you that having that as an example for like, for me and what I should hold my relationships to, I think it just like changes who you are as a human being. Like I've inherently known what a healthy relationship is and I have my parents to thank for that. And I think it's because they put each other first. So I think like the fact that you've gotten this advice early and are actioning on it is beautiful and it's going to pay off dividends for Gemma. Like she will know her worth when it comes to finding a partner for herself in the future as well. Yeah. And that probably also makes sense as to why like people, I feel like as someone who I'm, I have a partner now, but I'm 32 and it's crazy because I think people often, my sister is a similar boat. She met her husband in college. And I think people often look to that and envy that. And I'm like, yeah, but that's also not easy in its own way. Like it can't, right? It's like, especially in your twenties, you change so much, like keeping up with each other and supporting each other through that. And like, learning to love those different sides. Like I can imagine, and I guess I'm also asking, like it hasn't always been easy, right? No, it's definitely not always been easy. You know, like, as I said, like Nish and I have been through a lot and like, we've been there for each other's like different chapters, you know? And at one point that chapter for me was traveling a lot. You know, I was barely home. I was away for maybe six to nine months of the year, which would mean that I'd maybe see him for a total of four to five months, you know? And so it was a lot of communication. And I think with Nish and I, the one thing that we always were steadfast on was that we never wanted each other to compromise their career for the other person and then later on resent the other person because we've seen it happen with other couples and they just don't make it. Or if they do, it's like a lot of like, I don't know, this thing that's like, they're just constantly fighting over because there's this underlying resentment. So for us, even if our relationship had to come second, like in terms of like, okay, I'm making this decision, knowing that we're going to be aware or whatever it is, we just kind of did it. And we knew that we would have the unwavering support of each other. You know what I mean? So after college, I did my um, post-grad in London. Okay. And Nish could have been someone who was like, well, I don't think you should go there because you're really far away from me. He never said that once, you know, after graduating, Nish worked in the oil sands in buttfuck nowhere in like Calgary, you know, like outside of Calgary. I never said don't go. Like we never did that to each other. And there were times where I wanted to move and he needed to stay in Toronto for his career because he was moving up really fast at a company that he loved. And we had to find a middle ground whereby I was traveling out of the country a lot in order to pursue what I needed to pursue. And he needed to stay because he needed to stay. And it's just been a lot of work, a lot of communication, a lot of 
consistent effort, I think. And I don't think any relationship is easy. It doesn't matter if you get into a relationship at 22 or 32 or 52, like it doesn't matter, you know, like you're always going to have things that you need to work on as a couple. And yeah, I I just think that it's like, it's funny because I think we all work on everything else in our lives and we don't work on our relationships intentionally. And I think for me, it's like, well, everything I have in life has come with like a lot of hard work. And why is my relationship any different? Like I'm going to work on that. Like I work on everything else. Yeah. And I think we have to debunk that fallacy. I think it's like, you shouldn't, like my sister is again, like, she's like, I know we seems like because they have a beautiful relationship, but she was like, actually like, it's always a work in progress. Like you don't see what happens behind closed doors. And I think, you know, I actually do know a few couples who have been together for a long time. And this, it's really interesting, this like career resentment thing, because I do see how they resent each other for actually, they, I don't think they've stopped each other from pursuing what the other wants, but I think they haven't necessarily fostered an environment where they're openly talking about what the other wants and being like, go out and do that and yeah. we'll figure it out. And I can so see, because it's like almost like you're stunting it's like not even just career, right? It's like stunting, exploring sides of yourself. And then you're just, it's easy to blame the first person in the room, you know, like the person you wake up next to. A hundred percent. And, you know, we talked about like, oh, like you you guys said that, like I have this confidence to kind of like be who I am or whatever. That also comes from being in an incredibly like nurturing and supportive relationship. Like I'm really, really, really lucky that I, of course we have our sets of problems, but I don't struggle with, things like base level things that I don't even know why other people are like putting up with, you know, like I've never dealt with any like trust issues with my partner. Like these are just things that don't exist in my world. And I've had such support from Nish to be exactly who I am. And that just like, I I don't even know. It's like love that you have for your family, you know, Mm -hmm. like that's what I have with him. And I'm, I'm lucky that I have that we work on it. And we always like, you know, we work on bringing that and being that support system for each other. Can I ask you, tactically speaking, what is it one example of like how you guys support each other more than just like go out and do your, mm-hmm. you know, pursue your career that's like really encouraging and makes you feel safe? I think a lot of like we have tough conversations when we need to have them and we don't stop those conversations until we've come to a resolution. And sometimes that lasts for a long time. Sometimes that means seeing therapists, like sometimes that means like taking time apart to figure it out. But we will always figure out those things and have tough conversations. You know, I think people sometimes like both parties are not on the same page of knowing that they need to solve something in order to move to the next stage. And I think because we've always pushed to have tough conversations, knowing that both of us want to come to a resolution, it's made being founders a lot easier, you know, because I think we have such strong communication that like, even when it's really tough and even if like we aren't agreeing on something, we know we're going to come to the right solution. And so I, I think for anyone else who's in a relationship, have tough conversations, you know, know that it won't be resolved like that. Know that it's going to be gut wrenching sometimes and you just have to persist and yeah. know that like, Un- until there's a resolution where both parties are happy, either you've reached a compromising position where both parties are like, okay, like this is it. Like this is kind of where we land. It's it's worth having. And the other thing I think is that we leave our egos at the door. I think Nish and I, you know, where it's so easy to want to be right. It just is, you know, we all want to be right, but sometimes it's like, it, doesn't matter like what your intention is or if you want to be right. Like you have to hear the other person. And you also have to understand that how someone feels isn't going to be the same how you feel. And also like the way that people feel love is really different. So for me, it's showing love in the way that Nish needs to be loved versus how I would like to be loved. These are two very different things. And I think constantly communicating about that, constantly revisiting that as we evolve as human beings and showing up as that for each other. I also think the way you want 
to be showed love, it can evolve over time. Totally. Right. And so again, it's always important to check in and see, you know, what your partner needs. Aaron and I communicate in a very, very different way. And if I didn't take the time to have the tough conversations with him, and if we didn't just sit there, then I would never know. And I would keep communicating a certain way that will never work. And then I'm going to get frustrated and X, Y, Z. Exactly. Like we aren't dating our own clones. And I think (laughs) people expect that their partner will be them. Yeah. Or like grow up in the same household. Like, no, I know you're never going to, unfortunately, you're no one ever going to say things the way, exactly the way that you want them to. I think intention is also a big part of it is being like, okay, this person's intent. Like, what are they trying to get across? Yeah. Yeah. So with that, what is your point, Sif? What is the point? I think for me, it is knowing that I'm making a difference in the world and doing my best to make the world a better place and impact lives. Like for me specifically, it is how can I make the lives of women better and empower them? So that's my point and that's my purpose. You're doing an excellent job. Thank you. Thanks for being here, Thank Steph. you so much. This Thank you for having me. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 